0: Hello, everyone, welcome to a new episode of Dubai Stars Rise to the Top. Uh, tonight, I have amazing guest. I have Nido Abdul. Nido is a very successful entrepreneur in Dubai, and tonight, we're going to get to know his stories, how he came here, and what he's doing right now. So, Nido, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank uh, you for having me, I'm Excited to be here.
0: Nido, for the people who don't know you, if there is any, can you let us know more about you, what you do, uh, everything in Dubai?
1: Great, yeah, so uh, I'm a business growth specialist, so I help people who already have businesses take their business to new levels, and I also help people who want to start businesses, but they don't really have an idea where to start, the logistics that are involved, um, so I help them do the same thing, and the core of both is marketing, so I'm really like a sales and marketing expert, that's what I've been studying for, for almost 15 years now, um, you know, I feel like sales and marketing are the engine to any business, and lot of the you know, most of the time when people are struggling is because they have those things wrong. So that's why I do. I come in and I help fix that problem.
0: Amazing. So let's start with the main questions. First of all, I'd like to know about your childhood, where you were born, how you were raised, all of this stuff. Get me through it, please. Cool.
1: I have a pretty crazy story, right? So I was born in Somalia um, and, uh, you know, we have a, a lot of times when people hear the word Somalia, they see what it is today which it has you know, a war tone country, so mm-hmm. obviously it's a very devastating place to be. But what people forget is, when you go back 30 years, 40 years ago, it was actually one of the most beautiful countries in Africa, We're right by the Indian Ocean. East Africa, we used to have a lot of people that used to come to, du- to Somalia for vacations. Uh, Shiazai had a huge farm in Somalia, it was one of his favorite places to go. Um, you yeah, know, my father actually worked for the small government. He was uh, vice minister for agriculture, which was our main income source. So we had a pretty good life. Uh, and then one day, obviously, you know, like all of a sudden, the war started. I mean, I was a kid. Just you know, you're playing outside one day, you're having fun with your friends, with your brothers, and the next day, your was saying, "They're coming! They're coming! We need to pack and run. We need to leave." And the reason she was saying that is because my father worked for the government. And these warlords took over and overthrew the, the government that was in place, one of their main objectives was to literally kill everybody who was associated with the government, right? Wow. Which my father was one of the main heads. So, what we did is my father you know, got a small bus, he got all of and we ran to my grandmother's village, right? Which was about a two hour drive right from the capital. And we stayed there for about a week or so, maybe two. And then when they were coming there, when they were on their way there, um, we took uh, you know, one of three small fishing boats into the Indian Ocean to go to Kenya. Now here's the problem. We were following the north spot, right? It's a fishing boat, it's overcrowded. Everybody's right when, when people are running for their lives, you just take as many people as you can, right? And we got lost in the sea. It was supposed to be a three-day journey turned into a 10-day journey And just before we got there, we got hit by a major storm and two of the three boats actually capsized and everybody in them lost their lives and I'm just you know we're just fortunate to be on the boat that actually made it into Kenya.
0: How old were you? I was about ten years old. I cannot even imagine or comprehend what just said, like what did you have to go through? Yeah. And like, how big is your family? I have siblings, brothers? Yeah. So it was me, my
1: mom. My, so I have five brothers, right? And that's not even the craziest thing. Because now, as a parent, I think about. You know, I was the oldest. I'm ten. My youngest brother was one. And my mom had to go in that journey with a one-year-old. And for someone who has no kids, just to imagine how that must have felt, you know. Uh, It must have been crazy, but then we also took uh, you know a few female members of our family because we don't want them to leave in in an environment where women were being killed, raped, tortured. Uh, You know, so yeah. I mean, we we just kind of ran with whatever we had. And then we reached Kenya, right? Yeah. From there, we snuck into Kenya. Yeah. Okay. You know, we just snuck in in the middle of the night. Uh, We stayed there for about six months. And then uh, my father had a few friends who helped uh, arrange some documents for, for us to get into Egypt, where we lived for two years before finally getting, uh, you know, sold political asylum into the United States uh, back in 1994. Well, I'm
0: assuming you guys left everything just anyway? No, photos, no no money, nothing, no leaving papers, just running. And, and that's the, the funny thing or crazy thing, should I say, Anthony, because
1: in Samhag we had a great life. We had multiple homes, multiple cars. You know, we were very financially very successful, my dad was. Uh, you know, but then over, overnight, you're nothing. You just run for your life and leave the homes behind. leave the cars behind. You, you don't have access to your bank account, right? And you just run for your life. And you have to start everything over again. And that's what is interesting in my life because sometimes, you know, you could be at the top and you can wake up so and it. it's happened. all gone. It's all taken away. Uh, so it was very you know interesting experience to go through. So
0: tell me about your father. Like, how did he adapt to the situation by having it all and suddenly he's responsible for seven people and yeah. having nothing? So how did he overcome it? Was he, like... A, Making you guys feeling like everything is fine, and it was taking all of the stress, or it was showing on him. Uh, Anthony, this is like this experience taught
1: me probably what I consider to be the most important lesson in my life. Right, and we were taking ten because we took three female cousins with us. Uh, you know, seven. Uh, even though seven is a lot as well, but yeah. So when we were younger, I used to experience how my father treated me we'd have people come to our house. You know, in, you know, like in Somalia, it's like we have like this villa, and then next to us, it's a guy who has nothing, right? It's like a creek, it's not like in Dubai, where like Jumeirah, or, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I just kind of found that was, uh, a bit interesting, but so people used to just come to us for helping him. And I remember my father used to be kind to everybody. Like, super kind. I remember, like, random strangers would come to our house for lunch. (laughs) Like, is this guy? I don't know. Whatever. They're hungry. Money. Whatever it might be, sir, right? So then, when the war happened and we left everything behind, you can what happened. So many people that my father was very kind to. Like, people from, you know, Rome. Like, I remember a guy, my father told me the story of of a guy who just gave him a consultancy job and gave him $30,000 just because of the relationship he developed with my father when he was in Somalia and how my father treated him. Right? So the lesson was, no matter who you are or where you are in life, never mistreat someone and always treat people kind and with respect because you never know when someone out of the blue might come into your life to give you a hand that you thought you never need. Because reality is, we never thought we'd be in that situation, right? So to answer your question, it's all the goodwill that he has done in his life when we were very successful, right? When he worked for the government. All the people he helped, a lot of them came back to, re, you know, reciprocate and help us in our dire situation.
0: <laughs> I do know what to say. That's really amazing. So um, you took the papers. You moved to the states tell me how since you landed in the states what were you doing during school like getting new friends adapting getting the language tell
1: yeah. Me about it yeah so i actually remember the first day i was in the states february 23rd 1994 which i believe now is the fourth worst winter in the history of america and I remember going there, you know, when you're in other countries and you see postcards and you see people in the snow and they're dancing and they're drinking Coke and you think it must be like heaven. But that shit was fucking <laughs> cold. I'm like, what is this? You know, you go from Africa where it's hot every single day I and, mean, you know, you get a little cold here and there, but nothing compared to where we came. And I'm like, wow. Like, you know, couple are like, oh, I
0: go back.
1: Yeah. I'm like, listen, why not Florida? Why Boston? Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're like It was like, you, you guys crazy? So I'm like, yeah. So yeah, you know, that was just the beginning. But making friends was a bit hard. You know, you're coming from a different culture, different background. You dress differently. I remember I got picked on almost every single day in school. I got to fight literally every single week. And one reason is because, I don't know if it's a, a Somali side of me, but, you know, a lot of times when people bully me, like, I'll fight back. You know, like, I'm, I'm one of those guys that, like, okay, I'm, you might be bigger, I might be afraid of you, but you're not gonna see that, right? So, I've always had that fierce personality as a kid, even though, it, you know, a lot of times I'm like, I should be your friend, man. Like, I, I went through shit in life, yeah. I just want to <laughs> play soccer. Yeah, right. yeah, but this, but then one day, here's what happened. I brought a soccer ball to school, right? and this is 1994. I don't know if you know, 1994, World Cup in America, right? So we had, like, this football fever going on, and I brought, you know, I bring a soccer ball, and then there was this guy, uh, Edgar Alvarez, who, like, I swear to you, a couple of days before, we're supposed to fight, now I bring a soccer ball, he brings his goalie gloves, and we're, like, best friends, <laughs> right? So all of a sudden, uh, all these people came, and I started making friends through football. That's why I, I absolutely love football, because it really helped me heal in a lot of ways. It's not just the sport, even when I was in Egypt, and you, know, you try to forget the experience you've gone through, football was like the thing that I always leaned on. So that's how I started to develop friends. So most of my friends, even from today, even the friends that I have here, most of them is because I started playing football with them, football and soccer, as we call it in America, right uh, back when we were in the States. So yeah, that's how I really started to expand my network
0: Guide me from the garden to university. Graduated. Yeah. When did you get married? Oh man. So uh, uh, it's like
1: in my mind, I thought I was always going to be a soccer player. Like you know, by the time you're 21, 23, you're playing. What was your favorite soccer player? Uh, growing up, I had Roberto Baggio. Uh, was always my like number one guy because I was a huge, but even when I was in Egypt, I used to listen to him in the on, on the radio mm-hmm. in Italian. So I'd wait for words like "rete," which meant goal, Roberto Baggio, which means who scored, and Juventus. Yeah. So as long as I heard those three things, you know, in sequence, I knew that my team was winning. Um, I like Marco Bombastin, Uh and I also liked uh, the Brazilian Ronaldo. Right? So those were those are like my main guys because that's the era that I grew up with. Today there's the Ronaldo's and the Messi and lot of the guys. Uh, you know, that, that are all the top players but my era, those are my, my top guys but growing up, that's why I wanted to play for Juventus because of the bad right, so that was my dream and then when I realized that didn't happen it was a tough moment because, like, shit, man, like you know, there was no plan B uh, you know, this is all you had and it didn't work out, so the first thing I did was to analyze why didn't it work out because it's very important, like when you do think something, see a, lot, a lot of times what happens is people do something, it doesn't work out, and they give up, right? And then there, there are certain things that time is against you, and one of them is football. If you don't make it at a certain age, it's tough, But in business, in other areas, right, there's always, you can try again and again and again. In sales, you fail, you try again and again and again. So the reason I realized I failed is because a lot of people doubted me. A lot of people would say, would say things like, you know, there are millions of kids who try to make it. What makes you feel like you'll get it? And then you try to ignore it, but when you wake up and it's 6 a.m. and everything is quiet, the whole world is silent, that shit keeps repeating in your head. Oh, that's what you remember. That's what you remember. Like, yeah, maybe they're right. Maybe I am not make it. Maybe I'm not good enough. Right? And little by little, I started to lose my belief. And eventually to the point where I no longer believe that is ever going to happen. And I reached at an age where I'm 23 years old. I'm not to be professional. I got injuries. My mind is not right. What am I going to do next? So I actually went through a, you know, I don't know what to call it, depression. Pressure. I don't know what to call it. All right. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was locked in the room 80% of the time. You uh, know, no. no soccer career. Uh, I dropped out of college. Uh, a lot of life was crap <laughs> right like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong and then that's where I discovered self development and I started to work with Dieter See the problem a lot of times is like we you know we want things we do things we have we go through life in this big roller coaster but we never take a, a break to work
0: with ourselves it's like the those you know you reach that for me, I was like, is this what, what life is all about? Like, what
1: is this? Like, what is this? Like, there must be something There else. must be something else. Like, I can't be waking up to heartaches, to feeling like shit, to feeling like a loser in front of my friends, in front of my family, to people just constantly looking down on me. I'm like, there's got to be more to, to,
0: to this. Especially in your case, you the eldest. I'm you the eldest. You should the
1: role model of all of your brothers. Right, exactly. Yeah. And you know, coming from a traditional African background, like... Everything's your fault. <laughs> you fail, your brothers fail, it's your fault, right? So for me, I had to find a solution, right? Because after a certain point, I'm like, look, it's either I choose this path and feel sorry for myself for the rest of my life, and that's not gonna get me anywhere, or I actually try to understand myself, work on myself, and i I'm fixed I can pursue my next journey from a much better place. So I started to go to Barnes & Nobles, and I stayed there for hours and hours. And Barnes & Nobles is a bookstore in the States, right? Why did I stay there for hours? I swear to you, I didn't have $10 to buy the book. So I'd rather just stay there, read it, while I'm done, put it back on the shelf, and leave. And then one day I pick up a book by Tony Robbins, and I randomly open it up to a page. And then, I'm paraphrasing, but it says something to the extent of love. You can be the greatest human being on earth, and people can screw you. You can be the best husband in the world, and your wife can break your heart. You can be the best wife in the world, something else can happen. You can be the best son, the best father, the best parent, your kid can come out wrong. So in this world, you cannot control what someone else does. You can only control how you react to it. So I'm like, wow.
0: It's triggered. Your mind. Just trip it just
1: triggered. I'm like, okay. You know, because we know it's like, if X, Y, Z person feels a certain way about you, then you must feel sad. If so-and-so said something to you, you must be angry. or You must, the truth is, no. Like, one of the examples the guy gave was, in some countries where people die, They celebrate. Some countries they won't. Right? So so all these experiences we go through, it's all about the meaning we give it to. So I was like, okay, I didn't make it to soccer, but there's like five billion other things I can do. Okay, a girl didn't like me, but there's like 3.7 billion other girls. I know one of them is stupid enough to like me. Right? There's gotta be another one that
0: they like me you enough. You're
1: right. Right? Oh <laughs> like, my my parents don't think I'm as successful as I should be. for God's sake, I'm like 23, right? So then I started to just kind of take a time out, take a breather. And and it it was honestly the most liberating experience of my life. It just felt like the entire world was off my shoulders. And I just felt so empowered that I finally took back control of my life because I took back control of my thoughts. And from there, it led me to Entrepreneurship, it led me to reading more books. I just felt I just wanted I just
0: felt independent. You start loving yourself. I start loving yourself. And you want the best for yourself. Yeah. It long plan, but at least you know like you're ready for anything. I just was
1: able to clearly see the bullshit that the world likes to the world likes to trickle trickle on you. Right? And a lot of times we don't you know it just clouds us and we don't see beyond that. You know, I must be a failure because my parents think I'm a failure. I must be a failure because my friends don't want to hang out with me. Oh, my husband thinks I'm fat. I'm fuck that. Like you dictate how you want your life to be, right? If God wanted other people to dictate, He'd put leashes on us, right? He'd make sure. All right, you Nito, know, you're gonna go where He wants to take you. Because that's why you got a leash attached. No, you're free. But the thing is, you're not free till you realize how to you control your thoughts. And that was the first stuff that gave me taken back in my life. And then from there, like I said, you know, I just wanted to do... And I failed in a lot of stuff. But then all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I'll just try again. Like, yeah, it's just like liberating. It's just like you're just living life. You're, whatever happens, happens. Like, there, I don't like negative people. I don't like negative thoughts. I don't like, you know... Feeling sorry about for mistakes, you just live in a reality-based life. Shit happens, right? Get, over, get it. over it. So yeah, it was very liberating for me, and you know, and, and it just kind of freed me from all the like burden that I was feeling at the
0: time. So, uh, did you have any friends who were supportive, uh, who were like guiding you on the right way, or you just like had to figure it out your Passion, as we say when you started, how was it like are you surrounded by the right people or
1: Yeah, so here's the problem with me, Anthony. I am the kind of guy who doesn't talk about their problems to people, but I'm the kind of guy who's always there for other people's problems. Right? So I've always like you talk to anybody my friends, like you know, whether they're going through relationship problems, financial problems, health problems, whatever mind problems, mindset limitations. I'm the guy who's always there for them because I, I you know, as, we, as I was just saying, I went through a lot of the, a lot of those things, so I can relate to them to a certain level. So I'm the guy who's always there for his friends if they're going through challenges, if they're going through money problems, relationship problems, life problems, mindset problems. I'm always there for them, but for some reason, I've never felt comfortable enough to reach out to somebody and talk about my problems. It was just like
0: uh, maybe you were the rock that everyone would lean on and. And it felt weird for you to show what you think is a weakness.
1: It could be, but I'm also a bit introverted. Like, a lot of people... I I am an extroverted person. Like, if you know me, I'm the guy who's always trying to make people laugh and talk and blah, 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 right? But when it comes to certain issues, I'm not very comfortable talking to people about my problems. Just like you said, like, I'm used to listening to people's problems. So, I actually had to go, you know, even today when I told, like, you know, like, Addis, for example, like, you know, he's been my best friend for 20 years. He's like, well, I didn't even know that you were going through that stuff, right? He's like, I wouldn't even know, you know, he wouldn't have guessed that because I never showed any of that stuff. So, not really, like, I never really talked to people, but I, it felt, it made me feel good that I knew there were people there for me. I knew people cared for me. I knew people loved me. I knew I had a lot of good friends around me. So that did give me some uh, support, uh, but just I never directly went to them for help.
0: Let's talk about love. Mm. How was it? How did you fall in love?
1: I've been with the same woman for probably now. Sure I should have uh, <laughs> <laughs> for a long time. Let's not really, about 20 plus years. Um, so, you know, she came to my house. Um, and, you know, we were young. I was maybe sixteen, seventeen. She was 14, I believe, maybe 15. And then it was like, it was really true. Like, I'm like, all right. Like, till then, I always had a lot of girlfriends. But not like girlfriend, like girl friends. Yeah. Right? Like, not dating. Um, like, you know, women love a guy who listens. And I've always been a guy who,
0: Listen,
1: <laughs> I mean, I've always been a very good listener, yeah. right? So mean, you would know, be like talking to me about their guy friend problems, stuff like that. So I've always had a lot of, you know, uh, you know a lot of girls as friends, but just never saw it as the one. But when I saw this one, I'm like, okay, this is it. And, you know, as a, as a salesman, when you get a very good deal and you've got, you know, the one you do everything. You've got to see it. Yeah, you've got to, you know, we've had our ups and downs. Like, no one's... No one taught you how to be in a relationship. No one knows what love. Love is this thing that's romanticized uh, throughout the world, but reality is relationship requires work. Are there bad days, just like everything else? There are going to be days where you don't see each other. But the thing is, as long as you respect each other, as long as you you know appreciate the other person, and one question that someone told me long time, I it always stuck with me and was like, look, it's, it's like a horrible question to ask, but it's the truth. If you're ever stuck to a bed and you can't do anything, God forbid, is this a person that would be by your side? Or would, would they be on the first one-way ticket out, right? And for me, it's like when I realized that this is a person that would be by my side no matter what, then I had to do whatever it took to keep her by my side no matter what, you know?
0: Steve, that's something beautiful to say. I have four kids, tell me when did you take the decision to move to Dubai and why it was Dubai?
1: Yeah. Um, I used to come to Dubai, you know, pretty often. Actually, the first time I came was 2003, Um, so Alice was staying in the States and then he came to Dubai after he finished his studies, so I came to visit him here. Uh, and I'm like, I was just blown away because you know when you live in America and you hear about the Middle East, you don't see countries like Dubai. You, see, you don't you see, see You see the camels in the desert, and you see like, oh, you know. Till this day, till this day, my friends are like, hey man, like, so you're like, just you go to work with a camel. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> no, no at all. Actually, we have more the our than here. Like, but going back, I'm like, people just have this total different perception. So when I came here, I just realized how beautiful, how different. There was just something in the air. I don't know how to explain it. At that moment, I'm like, all right, this has to be part of my life. I kind of planted the seed, right? So, but i was still young, you know. I'm still, like, like, I was just still in college, and my life, well, I was just getting started. And then in 2008... I still have it, by the way. I still carry it on my workbook every single day. I wrote down my life vision, two thousand and eight. I wrote down where I'm going to live, how my house looks like, what do I do for a living, and in that document, in that piece of paper, you know, I wrote down all the simple, like I didn't leave a single detail out to how my garden was going to look in the villa. And here's the crazy thing, Anthony. Like I, I'm, a, I'm a true believer that you manifest what you dream, what you envision, what your thoughts are, right? And what you constantly think about. Plus, you put the work and effort to make it happen, obviously, right? A lot of people just think and dream, but they don't put the work. That's where the big disconnect is. Like, I love the secret, but I wish they told, or they added that part, and be like, oh, by the way, yeah, you can have all these manifestations, but yeah, it's gotta go to work first, right? <laughs> uh, they, they left that part up. So, for me, like, I wrote every single thing down, and then just life, it just, you know, I come and I visit and I, I do this and vacation. I brought my family on vacation, and then one day I'm like, you know what? I'm moving it. to Dubai. Um, actually, if you go to my Instagram page, you actually see the note that I wrote in 2008. And then on the other side, you see everything as it came into fruition. It's crazy, like, to the detail, right? But yeah, it just, you know, I just decided in 2016, it was going to be um, you know, America, Trump was taking over. I started to see things that I've never seen before. People were more open about how they felt about different races, different religions. I mean, I understand like, you might not like everybody, but when you're publicly kind of making that obvious to people, like I'm driving and I see a truck that says, like, you know, go back to whatever. Where you came from. Yeah, and then all those different things. Like, this is not... The American that I know, right? It's not, and we were going to move from Boston to Dallas. And I told my, my wife, my boy, we're going to move anyway. Might as well go from Dallas to Dubai. They both begin with a D, you know, close enough. Yeah, so weather
0: anyway, is almost the same. Well, uh, uh, almost <laughs> the same, right?
1: Uh, but I love Dubai. You know, it's a place where it challenges you, uh, it's a place where it gives you the most important thing you would want for your family, which is safety, right? It's a place that you never know what's coming, it's always, and it's small, but it's, like, I've been here for almost four years now, and it's you know, compared to where I come from, like, Dubai, it's tiny. But almost every single week, there's, like, things that I never knew existed. A place that never knew existed, right? So it's just fascinating that every single time that like, you just feel like, you know, it's exciting, is always development, and it just keeps you on your toes, you so. It yeah, shapes
0: right. your mind, it shapes your body, it forces you to be the best version of yourself, Absolutely. to keep up with the guys in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How did you get to the business development? Like, where did you feel like this is my. Uh, Passion, or I wanna let other people grow. Like no one gave it to me. I had to work on myself, and now I wanna be a business development coach, even a life coach. Yeah. So, how did this all of this started?
1: Yeah. So, I told you before, I started to read, and then every single time I'd go to work, I had a book with me. Right. Eventually, I was able to buy the books. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was working at a hotel front desk. I had actually three jobs. Right. So I do ballet, and then I work in a hotel, and then I do a front desk at a health club. So one day, I'm leaving work, and then a girl says to me, listen, she's a co-worker, a co-leader, she's like, you're always working. I mean, you're always reading these books about marketing and sales, right? Why not just... uh, you know, get a job. Actually, the reason I was reading marketing sales, Anthony, actually, the valley wasn't in hotels, it was the same job. The other job that I had was I was a door-to-door, Kirby vacuum salesman. Right? So, one was weekends, one was nights, one was during the day. So, when I was selling door-to-door, you know, it's commission only, that was the main game because I was a day job, and if I don't, it's like a hunter going into, you know, into the jungle to hunt, you either come back with a kill so your family can eat, or you come back defeated. And one too many times, I came back defeated. So then I'm like, I gotta learn how to sell. I gotta learn about persuasion, and verbal skills, and all these things that no one has ever taught me. So I started doing that one day, the girl says, I've been doing this for a while, I'm getting better, I I, I love it, I enjoy it. And the the girl says, why don't you look at Craigslist? Craigslist, you know, find a different job. Like, go and do something with sales. Why are you sitting at the front desk checking people into the health club? I'm like, all right, whatever. So I, I remember, like yesterday, November 4th, 2006, I'm at home, I'm married, and live with my parents. And I know in Dubai, uh, it's normal in that world. You know, sometimes, usually, a family would have a massive house, and then you're married. Traditionally, you might live there. In America, it just means I didn't have money to live on. My own. <laughs> it's, a, it's a different thing. But it's not a cultural thing. I was just broke, actually. You know, like I got evicted from my place uh, after six months. Uh, so I'm living. So I, I remember it was like midnight, and then as I'm thinking and thinking and thinking, I'm like Craigslist. I've never heard of Craigslist until that girl told me that day. I go on Craigslist now. Craigslist used to be—they just started, right? So it used to be a free. You know, for those of you who don't know, practice is like gubism. You can post, classify, all these different things. So I went to the job section. There was only one job. Why? Because practice used to be free. Now it was $25 to post. And a lot of people were like, you yeah, screw that. I'm not going to post it. So this guy posted. And the ad said, if you have studied Dave Kennedy, Jay Abraham, Gary Benzavica, Ted Nicholas, I still remember it. I still have the ad. This might be the best job. Right. So the only thing was I had to sell myself. It wasn't like just send me your CV. Sell me on why I should even interview you. Oh, man, I poured my heart into the sales the message that I put to this guy. Right? It was one of the best presentations that I've ever done. He loved it. He's like, you know, I'm going on a trip to London uh, this week. I'm going to come back, come to the office. So long story short, this was a multi-millionaire who built a successful business. And because of the passion that he saw, I I was honest, I'm like, I don't have a CV that's going to impress you. I don't have, you know, a lot of wins behind me. But if you give me a chance, and I'm willing to work for you for six weeks for free. Just give me a chance, and this will be the best decision you've ever made in your life. So he felt the hunger. He condition. felt it. He, was like, he felt he,
0: it. He knew, like, you're going to make it for money. Exactly.
1: Job. Right? And I, and I was willing to put it all online. I'm like, I, I'm willing to come in and show you. Don't give me shit. Just give me the chance. And I swear to you, I would look at the, like, every single week. I'm like, week one, week two. So when week six came, I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to wait. But the mentorship that I got from him uh, and, and the access he gave me, and the knowledge I gained was just something you can't get anywhere else. Like, we are working at his house. I mean, we had an office. a lot of times I was at the office. But most of the time I'd be at his house, and he'd show me what he's done, and he'd throw work at me. And then we had one of the best consultants in America, Dave Kennedy. I'd be correlated with him on the projects that I used to get done. So the first major project that we worked together, it was life-changing. Okay? Because here's what happened. We complete the project, It was a massive campaign. Once the project was done, it was a three-day event, we did everything, I did the campaign, right? I was right hand to so like 80% of the work was on me. When it was done, he came and gave me $200 cash. Now I was making $729 after taxes. So you get $200, on a weekend you go home and you tell your wife, Steak dinner tonight, baby, because my boss gave me $200, the best guy in the world, I love him, he's the man, blah, 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 A couple of weeks later, me and him are at the airport. We're flying to Cleveland to meet our consultant to talk about the project that we just completed, get his feedback, what we can do, what we can do better, etc. He says to me, Nito, I'm going to tell you something. Don't tell this to anybody else. I'm like, all right, what you got? So as we're having dinner out there, everybody says, you know the project we just finished? He's like, yeah. We generated $2.2 million. And we at eight hundred seventy thousand dollars So two things happened in my mind. Number one was like, and you assholes gave me $200? <laughs> but then the second was like, wow. Like, look at what's possible. $2.2 million in a few days where people work a lifetime for this kind of money. Even though it was, I mean, sure, net it was $870,000, but after the banking expenses and we had a few uh, joint venture partners, but still, $870,000. So my mind just was like, okay, there's a, there's a different world out there. Like, you know, $50,000 a year or 60000 like the way you're brought up in, in school and all that stuff, that is not going to, you know, uh, cut it out for me. And and from there on, you know, I learned a lot from him, and then eventually, I went on to start my own business, basically helping people implement what I've learned from him. And we we're you know we were in a lot of masterminds. I've seen a lot of other businesses, seen the insides what's happened. Um, Got to work and network and be friends with some very smart people. From you know Jeff Hoffman, uh, billionaire co-founder of uh, Priceline.com, to Nolan Bushnell, Steve Jobs' first boss, who you know, also found an Atari. Just to, you know, and I'm the kind of guy that, like, if I want to learn something, I'm going to lock you in a cage. And I'm going to download everything you've got out of your system into my brain. Why? Because I believe that the answers are out there. Right? Anything you're looking for in this world. Like, if I want to be a really good real estate monster in Dubai, I'd study you. I'm going to try to reinvent this shit. i like, Anthony... Listen, i shine your shoes, man, right? Give me a chance. Let me learn from you. You've done the hard work. You fought the grizzlies. You fought the lions. You've climbed up the tree and, you know, dethroned everybody. I want to know how you did it. Why would I want to start from the beginning? So I seek knowledge from people who've done shit. I take what I learned, and I implement it for people who want to get similar results. I don't try to reinvent the wheel. I don't try to... I'm a D student. Go to my grades in college and high school. <laughs> right? I'm not a good student. I don't like to do that crap. I like to study people that come with results so that I can take what's
0: working, improve it, tweak it, put my choice on it where it needs to be. Oh, put your own character in exactly. and then present it yeah. in the other way. Everything in the
1: world right now, everything in the world right now, Apple, you name it, any company is a prototype of something that existed before. The handheld stuff that we touch on our phone existed in the 80s. Phone, it existed. Nokia was there before. Apple, right? The internet was available before. All Apple did was like, let's just see if we can just put all these things together. Hmm, interesting concept.
0: Now they've got one of the biggest companies in the world. Let's get the alarm Let's get all of this stuff that we've never you know, people what? used to buy it. Now you have phone. Your- now you have all your phone. Yeah. Right.
1: So that does not require somebody to come up with new thinking. It just requires somebody to see what's already out there and having the ability to connect the dots. And that's really where the magic happens.
0: You moved to 2016 to Dubai.
1: I started working in 2016 to Dubai, so I was going back and forth every month. 2017, March of 2017, when we moved to Dubai.
0: And what was the first job in here? What was the first job, or what was the first thing you got yourself into Dubai?
1: Yeah, I, I was a, a consultant for uh, one of the biggest uh, events companies, probably the biggest in the region, Index. Uh, so I did events from the Dental Field to Derma, you know, it's, uh, uh, ADEC, I'm sure if you've heard of it, EDEC, Dubai Durma, some of the biggest in the region, they were organizing. So
0: when you came in Dubai, did you find any difficulty adapting to the mindset of people in here or how they approach business? Because it's not the same in the States yeah. at all.
1: Yeah, yeah, naturally, right? It's a different culture. It's a bit slower than we used to. I'm like a fast guy, like, hey man, we had a meeting three days ago, where's the so I have to learn how to you know I can every culture and every place has a their way of doing business right and and I think you know before I had a different mentality I'd get agitated I'd get a bit pissed off like whatever then I realized no this is how they do business right I have to adjust on how the business is done here. Now, one of the main reasons I came here, however, was I felt like the marketing and this, a lot of the stuff that we were doing in the States was, was very advanced. And when I came here and I saw some of the campaigns and some of the things that people were doing, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I feel like I'm fighting every week with... You know, uh, like uh, to give you a football analogy, like in America you're like in the Premier League, right? You're like they're fighting with the Manchester Cities and the Chelseas and the Liverpool's, and then you can come to Dubai and you're like, okay, it's, it's still very competitive, but you can still, you know, you can be the king here, right? So that's why I came here because I felt like there was a lot of opportunity.
0: Nito, you have an amazing presence on social media. Like there's no way no one will notice your profile, the amount of content you're producing, and it's very valuable content. Myself, I've been to one of your trainings before and I've seen like how people can really connect with you. You have a very calm, nice way to present the info without being aggressive and getting to the point. Which I really admire, but I just want to ask you something. Like nowadays, we've seen the rise of gurus. Like everyone is a coach. Everyone will tell you, "I'm a business coach," even though they've never owned a business. People tell you, "I'm a life coach," even though they're miserable. (laughs) How do you distinguish yourself from these people? Like how people can know that? No, Nito is different. Actually, he has been into tons of businesses. He does the tons of mistakes and he's saving me the time. Yes.
1: You know, this is a very good question. Because one of the things I always say is that there are no regulations in the coaching industry. You can wake up tomorrow if you have no idea what you want to do with your life, become any kind of coach, especially a life coach, which can be a bit sensitive. See, for me, as a business coach, as a business consultant, 80 to 90% of the time is business consulting. But sometimes, when a business is broken, it comes down to the person's life, right? Maybe they're going through a rough time. Maybe there's a mindset limitation. Maybe there's a relationship problem. So that is why where I intervene a little bit to see how that might be affecting the business. But for people who are just coming in, and you know, and I talk to a lot of people, because you know, I help coaches and consultants, and a lot of times I'm like, okay, so you will not be with your life coaching business, but... What is the solution that you're providing? there really isn't much of a solution. So for me, you know, I'm an introvert, as I mentioned a little bit before. Even though from the world, and you see my social media, like you're a great speaker, you do this. I'm like, yeah, but you know, every single time where I get in front of a camera, I have the same problem as almost everybody else that has a fear of it. But for me, I'm like, I always want to be valued. I know that as someone, when I opened up that book, and I read little, that one paragraph that changed my life forever. There might be one sentence, one word. So I always try to be the most valuable person in any circle that I am. As you saw on my social media, I am constantly giving value. I am sharing things that I've experienced, things that I know that works. Another thing is the same thing. I've been, for 10 years plus, I was the behind the scenes guy. So I would be working with the expert, with the business, behind the scenes, Creating all the campaigns, just like the example I gave you earlier, we did 2.2 million dollars, and I'm doing like you know most of the legwork in the background. That's been the guy, right? Um, I have a friend in the UK, and this is where things started to change for me, and it also kind of helps answer your question. So uh, around 2015, uh, he he gave me a, a decent chunk of money, flew me to London, I helped him with a the project. Then a year later, he comes to Dubai. We're having uh, coffee at the Dusit He's like, Nito, I'm going to tell you something, but I'm not going to give you more money. It was actually me and my brother, uh, another two friends. One of them kept talking to him about crypto. I wish I listened then, but, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I didn't know I was like, all
0: right, man, this guy used to chill about this crypto stuff.
1: I don't know what this is. That was before the movie went out. And they said, like, Nito, the project that you did for me, I did $4.1 million. So I was like, Congrats, at least you're gonna pay for dinner tonight. But then I went home that day, I'm like, you know, and, and here's just one incident of many. So I'm like, I'm working behind the scenes for a lot of different people. I've made a lot of them a lot of fucking money. I've got four kids. So get, you know, this bullshit introvert, I don't like to do videos, I don't like to, get that shit out of your mind. Forget being behind the scenes that come to the front, right? So the reason that I believe I'm different is because I've had 10 years plus of results, documented results. People, you go to my website, you go to my page, you see people who are telling you what I've done for them, right? So now I'm trying to do that for me, but the way I do it for me is through helping other people achieve their own success. So rather than having private clients where I usually have very few, Now I'm just sharing my knowledge, the same things that I've done for them with the world so that for those who are able to take action and implement, that some of them can actually improve their business and hopefully improve their life as well.
0: Nido, what do you regret in life? I'm sure everything is a lesson, everything happens for a reason, but there must be something you will say, like, if only I can go back in time, I wouldn't do this.
1: Yeah. It's a very good question. It's a very tough question. Um there are very few things that I regret. I'll tell you one. It might be a bit deep, but it might you know, the only reason I'm telling you is because it, was, it happened very close to my birthday. You know, uh, Back in 2011, I left the bank to go back to work. And as I was going into the office, I got a very strong intuition. Call somebody who was going through ups and downs, but like we've always had a connection. Then I told myself, I just came into the office, I'll call her once I leave the office. So I left the office, naturally, just slipped my mind, right? And I was in a bookstore that was very close, and this was the day before my birthday, so this was September 19th. 2011, and then I get a phone call from my sister in law crying because this person had passed away. And it was a suicide.
0: And then I go that far.
1: So sometimes you think about what would that call have made a difference? Maybe not.
0: That's a lot to take and you know. For a while I did. For a
1: while it bothered me. You know, it was one big regret that I had for a while. You
0: know, but
1: now it's like, you know, it wasn't meant to be. You know, I feel like God has a has a plan for a lot of us and some of it is different. But Other than that, I really mean, there are a few things that I add, You know, like I wish I started certain things sooner. I wish I took action sooner. I wish.
0: I invested in the bitcoins. But you know,
1: it's like money. There's more money. Yeah, there's more money ten years ago. There's more money ten years from now. You know, so that for me, I I try not to have many regrets. But to answer your question another way, it's also like what? Like if I, you know, this is something from Stephen Covey, right? But like you're beginning with the end in mind. And all of a sudden, the end is the end. When you're at your funeral and people are around you, what are they saying? Right? So for me, that is the end. And that is what I have in mind. And for me, I want people to be like, you know what? My life was better because <laughs> this guy came into it. You know? Um, that's the legacy. That's the legacy. I want to like, my life is better. One way, shape, or form. Because I've known this pressure and that is my main objective. I would. I don't care if you're. A, a, I don't care if you're at Deliveroo or if you're playing for Manchester United. And this is something I say openly. My job and my goal is to make you leave with a smile after we encounter. Uh, and that goes back to the lesson I learned from my father when I was younger: be good to people because you never know when you need somebody by your side and do it from an authentic place don't do it because you know i'm going to be friends with anthony because anthony that's fucked up that's like I, I can't stand it it's that
0: expectation, expectations. Expectations. expectation? And anthony
1: everything that i've got like you know people look at my profile oh my god you know you know how do you know how <laughs> dude i was just home i got a phone call i like hey man like do you want to come and have dinner with me and this guy like yeah sure I never asked for it. And then all of a sudden, that little relationship develops, start another relationship. So when people see that you're genuine, and you're authentic, and you're valuable, all these doors open up for you. Why? Because every single thing you want in life, be it money, be it a car, be it a, guess what, someone else has. You have to get it through somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, I want a great property, great vacation home, I gotta come to you, right? If you whatever, like if you want somebody to hire you so they can give you a job well they can hire you so they can pay. People forget that. So the answer to every problem, the answer to, to life is to be good to people and that's how I like to live.
0: Nedo, you're a very tough person, very stubborn person, and very kind person. You have all of this in you. Just wanna know like who influenced you? In your life? Like, who was the most influential person, whether it's family or even someone you've seen on TV or a book that you read? What was that most influence in your life?
1: I feel like uh, I'm like a puzzle, right? And when a puzzle does that, all these different pieces have to come from different places sometimes. So, my parents, you know, it's like my father taught me, you know, to be great, right? Like, you're gonna figure shit yeah. out. Right. We have this life that we have to go to this, figure it out, right? My mom, like, raised five boys. We were very tough, but she, like, you never felt that we were missing something. Like, there was food. And, and only when you become a parent, you realize how tough it is to have that, right?
0: And keep the smile all the time.
1: They keep the smile. So that was a big influence. Like, all the challenges that my parents went through, yet yeah, kept a smile and made us uh you know uh give us opportunity to shine um another person i mean there's a lot of people like you know, tony robbins and my mentor dr tom we influenced me from the knowledge side right where uh you know you're just learning and you just have the ability to discover solutions that other people have discovered my wife i learned from her that you know to be patient like, dude, she should have left me a long time ago,
0: <laughs> right?
1: Sure. Like, we didn't have much. There was a lot of, like, you know, there were times like, hey, honey, um, there's $10. You can take gas and there's $5. Can, can you make it to... You know, they were like those times, right? Yet she stood by me. She was there, no matter what, right? And, and she sacrificed. She's very smart. She's very beautiful. She's very kind. And, you know, she sacrificed her gifts and talents to be the amazing mom she is at the house right so for me i learned a lot and not only that not just her and having daughters it, it taught me like look like, like we're men but like you know we work and we hustle and we make the money we're not even 10 fucking percent as strong as women and i learned this when there was quarantine and i was stuck in the house for two weeks with four kids <laughs> i'm like how, how do you do this you know I, I leave in the morning hi kids i love you hi, hi, okay bye stay home I come back like at 6, oh, dinner time, Hug, okay, good time, bedtime, hi, honey, let's get together, let's watch Netflix, whatever, right? But to be in that environment and to raise four other human beings and to have, like, not only to give birth, you know, that. Okay. lot like, okay, maybe we don't use, you can, like, imagine their pain, but we don't really feel it. But you see the other one.
0: That's the. that's the thing. I'm telling you right
1: now, <laughs> like, women, like, I'm like, how you, like, you are amazing, like, for me. So it, it really, like, one of my things is, like, to really find ways to empower, and I think the world needs to give women a chance to really have opportunities to be the leaders, like, like, even when you look at the best countries, in the world, like New Zealand, women leader, right? Like, uh, uh, Germany, you know, so I think it's time that, you know, we got Trump. Made they make over, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got Trump as men, whatever, leader. So that, that was, you know, uh, my best friend, uh, Anis, a very emotional person, because he taught me not to give a shit about what people think, right? Uh, not in a rude way, but just be yourself. And that's why you know I became more confident the last four years. You know, like the guy that was just me behind the scenes to the guy that came to the front of the show. Right, and a lot of that's because being around him, uh, seeing how he interacts. He's very honest. If he doesn't like something, you know, usually before like you, you know you drink something and something like, what do you think, yeah It's
0: amazing. Right, <laughs> or like, Well, if
1: you you know you're actually helping the person by being honest with them. You know what I mean? Like, you think you're going hurt the person's feelings, but you're actually hurting them worse by misleading them. So, whether it's from the kids, with my friends, with my family, I learned to really be authentic, speak the truth, whether it hurts somebody or not, it's irrelevant. You know, they know the place I'm coming from. So, that was a big influence on me. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm a puzzle mate. There's like a little bit of everything in me from other people.
0: Yeah, like, we cannot get enough from you, I swear. I just want to finish this episode by asking you one question. What did you learn most during lockdown, during Corona, when all of this pandemic started, like out of nowhere, we had to be locked at home, and no one knew what's going to happen. So what was the best lessons that you learned from this period?
1: Man, Uh, you know, there was a moment where I was sitting to apply to go and, buy milk for my kids. And I couldn't just leave the house.
0: You need a permit.
1: You need a permit. And for a moment, I'm like, wow, Like we just literally lost our freedom overnight. And then I remember getting that and walking, and there's like nobody anywhere, like nobody in the streets, right? So, and you know, as they say, like you, know, you don't really appreciate something to it's taken away. Yeah, we
0: got everything for granted. We take everything. everything
1: for granted. So the biggest lesson that I learned is to appreciate, appreciate every moment that you have in this world. Right? It'll be bad times. It'll be rough times. And I know a lot of people with corona will that's happened in 2020. A lot of people are, are hurting, right? But for me is, you know, you have to, really, like, understand that when you have something, no matter what it is, it can be taken away from you. So, I've said more I love yous this year than ever in my life. To people I've never said to. Okay, man, like, like, for example, everybody that left the uh, birthday message for me like, on Facebook, my whole life I just go like, 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 like. This year, love, 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 love. And to a lot of them that I know personally, I would respond to them. You know, I really appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time. Like, to just be super, super, super kind, right? Because, like I said, the life is so... never know when it's going to end. Like, you go to buy milk and someone sneezes at like, you know, that's it. You're <laughs> 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 not the way to go, right? Uh, and this is part of from from seeing, like, you know, Kobe was, you like, know, I'm a Celtics fan, I'm a Bostonian. But Kobe's my generation. It's the guy I was sitting in my living room in high school when he was drafted out of high school very huge influence, to see that, right, guy who's done so many great things, and gone. So, so again, life is very short, I believe, but it's very unpredictable, Um, so take every moment that you have, you know, to to the fullest, live to the fullest, and don't take this for granted.
0: Nido, thank you so much for sharing all of your experience, it's very emotional, I got emotional myself. Uh, guys, feel free to reach Nido on um, Instagram. See me,
1: Nido Abdo at Instagram.com. <laughs> <laughs> or for
0: uh, this guy is very helpful. Reach him out for any advice, whether it's business what's it's personal. As he said, he's the best listener, not only a good listener. Thank you so much for watching this episode, and see you on the next one.